This is CliffCentral.com. 2015 is almost coming to an end. Welcome to my sporting recap of the year. My name is Ben Karpinski, and uh, I've got quite a tough job today trying to condense an hour of sport into an hour. And how would I approach that? Well, I've been thinking about it long and hard for the last couple of weeks. Last year, I did a series of uh, variety shows basically showcasing every sport and all the trials and tribulations of that throughout 2014. This year, on the other hand, well, I thought I'd just give it a bash in one show. Also because there's only one show open. So, you know what? Circumstances prevail, and here we are. Anyway, it has been quite tough. It hasn't been a great year for South African sports fans, or South African sports people in general, really. Our rugby, well, that was shite. Our cricket, well, didn't really achieve anything. And as for football, well, let's just say we're going to the Olympics. Uh, Bafana Bafana, they still maybe got a chance to get into the World Cup. They've made it to the next stage, the qualifications there. But the hopes aren't particularly high. On the 23 side, yep, there's some hope there. As I said, we're going to the Olympics. Outside of that, well, our golfing guys also not so great. Athletics, there were a couple of shining lights there. Um, and then post that, you really, really will be hard-pressed to find any sort of highlights. So what I've done is I've opened up far and wide an international thread, and I've got 10 great talking points. It was difficult to say, should I go 10 people who made the news the most or 10 sporting events either way it's very arguable i suppose you could say and uh, i think even when you get to the end of the show you'll probably think i've missed out a few things here or there so you're welcome to have your say if you are listening live right now that is on the 14th of december just after 11 sa time you're welcome to phone in uh, the number is 0861 if you want to share your views and what you thought was memorable this sporting year twitter just Tweet me at follow the bounce. Uh, if you're on Facebook of Cliff Central, just look out first there or on WeChat. There's messages coming to the screens here. I do have two screens and I really can't miss it. I do have my glasses here today, so I, I'll be all over it. Cliff Central on WeChat. Share your messages with us there and uh, I'll be sure to bring you into the conversation. Sinazo is our first message. Hi, Ben. This past weekend, I saw a few box playing the sevens team. Will these players be allowed to play both normal rugby and sevens, or must they choose one? Uh, <laughs> um, I tell you what, they can play whatever they want. It's all about availability. And Sananza, Sananza, just before we get into the whole year, I, I'm actually glad you brought the point up. It's because I think there should be a lot of cross-pollinates between the two, because the sevens guys, as you can see, the physicality is amazing, the skill set incredible, and just physical fitness is something that I think all the 15s players can learn from. And if there can be a mixing of, of the codes, all, so be it. It just becomes down to availability. And uh, obviously, you make far less money in sevens. So that's why it would be more in 15. Anyway, let's get into our big year. Like I said, get in touch with us in any way you want during the show. Otherwise, sit back, relax while I play for you 10 things that made my sporting year. And we're starting with the first one is, let's see if you can guess this. There's your numbers, 154. 14 of those are the whole location. But they've got to get it up 10. And that's for safety, throw it past. That will catch the middle ridge and come down. When you come down 9 and 10, 10th tee. And if you're going to miss it right, you've got to miss it right. <laughs> Look at this once again. I mean, that's his aiming point. Pin high. I am, of course, playing the majestic Jordan Spieth, where he took apart Augusta this year. Won it a couple years back. It was just such amazing to see because here's a guy, okay, he was 21. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was 21, I was doing nothing important in the world. I don't think anyone was talking about me, not even my parents. And here's a guy who was pretty good straight out straight out onto um, the Masters. Remember he was leading and then he ended up losing to Bubba Watson? That was 2014. 2015, the kid, and I can say the kid in no patronizing terms whatsoever. He literally is that young. He got to the Masters this year and it was just him, basically. He, he was the leader from the start and just over and over and over. The guy just kept swinging and finding the fairways, finding the greens, finding the holes. It was such a joy to watch because when you think about the stars of golf, people are still trying to find, like, who's going to take over Tiger's, Tiger's mantle. Rory, you know, he changed clubs. He had a bit of a shaky uh, season. And then he finally got back to all number one. But then he sort of fell out of favor. You know, is there going to be another European guy on the back of that? Who's the new American to go with it? Is Bubba Watson going to be a big challenger post places like the Masters? Jordan Spieth just came out and said, I'm the man. I am the man. 
So much so, he then went on to the U.S. Open. Get there. Yep. Get there. there it is! 64! See, posting numbers like 64, yeah, making the crowd scream. Then, from there, the U.S. Open was at Chambers Bay. Now, I remember that everybody was having a bitch about Chambers Bay. It was too tough. It was too silly. The course was an old quarry that they made into a lynx. It wasn't a real lynx. That's firm. The firm settings were just too hard. Jordan Spieth just stuck to his game. He was one of the few guys who wasn't bitching. Everyone was having a go. Like, these greens are bobbly. You can't sink a putt. It's a lottery out there. Jordan Spieth, he could not care. He just went out, played his game. There was one of the most exciting finishes to major history. I know you can say what you want about the course. It wasn't a pure test. Gary Player, he mouthed off a hell of a lot. He was going on about the fact that it's a joke and it's an embarrassment to the US PGA. Brendan Grace was in the mix. Dustin Johnson was in the mix. But Jordan Spieth was just there, again, playing his own game. Now, when you're this young and you play a sport as difficult as golf, it's it's so hard not to buy into your own hype and get caught up in the emotions. This dude's just so unflappable, though. Anyway, got down to that final green. Dustin Johnson had a putt to win. He missed it. He then had a three-foot putt to tie and go into a playoff. He missed that. So it wasn't convincing the way he won this US Open, but he won it all the same. And then he was two for two. Two majors, two major titles, two majors played. He then went to the Open at St. Andrews. Open at St. Andrews with no Roy McIlroy. Of course, Roy McIlroy had a, a kick around football with his mates and he buggered up his ankle. So he could not defend the title at the home of golf. Jordan Spieth again, he was hot favorite. And again, he did so well. But then there was a whole bitch up with the weather. You know, they had that gale force winds and then uh, play was called off and then was put back on. And then there was like this little tricky period where they played, even though they shouldn't have. Jordan Spieth dropped a couple of shots. And uh, many say that the grandstand was ruined because of the, the rulings of the RNA. Anyway, he had to birdie the last hole to get into the playoff. Sadly, it didn't happen for him. He tied fourth. Okay, Of course, he missed the playoff by just one. He then went to the USPGA Championship, a tournament that was won by Jason Day. He finished second here. So just think about that. Major run for your grandstand attempt. You win the first, you win the second, you finish tied fourth in the third, and you finish second in the fourth I mean this is like Novak Djokovic playing golf this is just unheard of for a guy to do this at such a young age he definitely has kind of filled a big void that Tiger Woods has lost well like uh, absence continues to kind of bear on golf people he made over 23 million dollars in earnings alone this year 23 million US dollars that is about a bajillion rand I don't even know if there's a, there is enough rands in the world to cover that so it was such a good thing for golf. I think it was such a good thing for sport as well. This new young guy, and you look at him now, he looks like a seasoned pro already, mostly because he's losing a lot of hair. A lot of golfers have terrible receding hairlines, but hey, they got lots of money. So well done, Jordan Spieth. You are the world number one golfer, and you feature first in my 10 big happenings in the sporting year. And uh, when you look at him, you look at the rest of the world, let's quickly run through that top 10 of the world golf right now. Jordan Spieth on top. He's got 11.85 points. Then we've got Jason Day, who finished the year so well. He actually did get to number one at one stage there. Anyway, he's in second, 11.29. And then you've got Roy McIlroy, who came good, winning the race to Dubai. And, of course, the European Order of Merit. He's on 11.19. So the top three golfers in the world, all in their own way, had great years. Just think how strong your sport is when your top three are as competitive as that. Then we've got Bubba Watson, he's further down, 8.26. Henrik Stenson, further back, 7.57. Ricky Fowler then in 6th, Justin Rose in 7th, Dustin Johnson 8th, Jim Furyk, I don't know how he's still there, but he is. Consistency is a big driver with him. He's in ninth, and Patrick Reed in 10th. Golf is in a real, real, real rich vein of form right now, and 2016 is going to be incredible. I'll tell you what, it's never been a better time to get more into golf. There's a sport with no performance enhancers. There's a sport with no corruption scandals. There's a sport that's just going from strength to strength. And uh, Jordan Spieth at the forefront of that could not be a better champion right now. Right, that's one done. Duncan, my producer, is looking on. I know something's playing in the background, Duncan. It's called ambiance. This guy's swinging and stuff. <laughs> anyway, until next thing. MMA. Are you a fan of MMA? Well, it's one of the world's biggest growing sports, and there's a reason for that, really. It's exciting. The other reason is that boxing, well, boxing's just kind of been teetering and plateauing for quite a while now. So there were two big things about MMA this year. 
of course, you get the EFC, you get the UFC. There's various kind of avenues from this mixed martial arts fighting league. For me, it kind of plateaued a bit in the last couple of years, especially if you look at the EFC locally. Uh, it was all the big talk because suddenly local sport was given this huge injection of excitement in the the uh, EFC. That's kind of bottomed out a bit now. Uh, I think we've just become too too accustomed to it. But there was two big attractions this year for me that made MMA a really, really big sporting thing. The first one has to be said, it was Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm, right? Now, Ronda Rousey is like the darling of the MMA in the, in the women's division. She was in Entourage. There was so much hype around her. Just going to start it off by just playing this interview that she had on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Let's talk about your opponent here. This is your home, uh, opponent here, Holly Holm. That's like a nice person. Yeah, she's, she's a nice chick, you know. She's yeah. nice. I don't have anything against her. I mean, she's a nice chick that's going to lose. But... Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You're gonna lose that what? Now, do you pick the time that you, you're gonna win on this one? No. Uh, this one's gonna be a much longer fight because she's a 19-time boxing world champion with 100% takedown defense and like head kick knockouts. I mean, she's she's undefeated, an amazing athlete. I think the biggest threat definitely to me, especially on paper and stylistically. And she's the type of fighter that you have to be very, very patient with. I feel like she's gonna try and like keep distance and keep far away from me and get me frustrated to a yeah. point I'll make a mistake and she can try and kick me in the head but it's not going to go like that not the way that she wants so you, so you see how you're changing right now yeah so I'm getting I'm getting deep into you right now. look you're happy and look at how cute yeah yeah and then and then should we hear that again to a yeah. point I'll make a mistake and she can try and kick me in the head but it's not going to go like that <laughs> well, unfortunately for Ronda Rousey, yeah. that's exactly what happened. They got into the ring, and uh, of course, there's just so much hype around her because she's unbeaten. The fights never went past like 10 seconds. She was just going in against girls, and she was beating the crap out of them. Anyway, as she said, Holly Holm is this boxing champion, and she's hard. Hey, You look at her. She looks like old leather. I mean, you do not want to fight with her at all. So Ronda Rousey, she went in there. She didn't bother to like, touch gloves prior to the fight. She was all like aggro and arrogant. And Holly Holm, well, she played a very, very cautious start, but she knew what she was doing. And again, just like Ronda Rousey said, there was weaknesses, there was patience, and eventually the moment came and boom, kicked her in the head after punching in the head a few times, and Ronda Rousey was out. Now, there's talk of the fact that this will be a, uh, the rematch will take place in around July. Story broke last week that they were going to go ahead with this in Vegas, but the fact is, Ronda Rousey's face still hasn't completely recovered. I mean, she's still, I think, got some dental issues. I don't think her nose will ever quite be the same. So if she can re- sort of recover in time, it would be a big surprise. And I don't see her beating this Holly Home. I think she's just got a number straight away because she went in there with absolutely no hype. There was no sort of um, arrogance. She's just a really good fighter. And Ronda Rousey hasn't come across a fighter yet. She's just been people who've been in this UFC. Anyway, the other one that was a big thing for me this year was Conor McGregor. Now, if you haven't heard of Conor McGregor or you haven't followed his career, just go onto YouTube right now, type in Conor McGregor. Whether it's his fights, whether it's his press conferences, there's actually a show right now. It's about, it's just following his life, how he went from being this plumber in Ireland to now just being like this absolute UFC superstar. The dude's incredible. He's an absolute force of nature. People are saying that every now and again, you don't mind when a sports star comes around and is arrogant because this guy backs it up and he backs it up then some, right? Now, Jose Aldo, uh, he's a title holder. Well, he was until the weekend. And uh, this Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, was – essentially UFC was kind of formed around that. The guy who started it long, long ago said this was the most superior fighting art in the whole world. And he was going to set up this this league, so to speak, and he's going to prove it. It was better than Taekwondo. It was better than Muay Thai. It was better than every other fighting form. And Jose Aldo was such a badass, such like an incredible um, exponent of this this, this um, technique that he would leave people like literally – in a pile of crap afterwards that people still to this day can't walk properly after fighting this guy he had legs like iron poles and every time he kicked you you just felt like you're being beaten by a bat anyway conor mcgregor he walked up and this is how the fight went over the weekend here we go green trunks for the southpaw the notorious conor mcgregor black trunks for the champion jose aldo jr conor relaxed and smiling oh! So if you want to count that back, it's roughly about 10 seconds. Conor McGregor, what a legend. Now, as you heard, he's the Southpaw fighter, okay? So he leads. He's got this amazing left. I mean, the dude is just such a – he's quite a wiry, like, 
real straight dog of a fighter. Like he will take you down on the ground and he will not get up until you're beaten, until you've tapped out. The dude's incredible. But he lands some amazing left on Elder as he approaches and the guy was just out, out within a second, just gone. Now, of course, he, um, he's been calling out fighters for quite a while now. So basically what this guy does is that he'll call out someone. He'll tell them why they're shit. He will then go on and say, I'm going to knock you out in X amount of time. And he does it. This is the whole thing. He backs up all of this every single time in the ring. He's that good. I think it's, um, if you are in South Africa, you're watching on the satellites, uh, on DSTV Bouquet. I think it's on BBC Entertainment. They've got a documentary running, I think, Friday nights. And it's just all about Conor McGregor. But like I said, just YouTube him. Find him somewhere on the internet. This guy is such great value. And he's he added so much to MMA. Um, and the UFC, the UFC is that like you want to watch this dude you want to see how he progresses and more importantly you want to see someone match him because to knock out a guy of the quality of Aldo in all of 10 seconds you know this guy's got a hell of a lot more than hype and a lucky punch this dude's a badass and he's so good for the sport right moving on that's two of the big talking points to me from this world uh, from this year of sport if you just joined us 2015 recapping the sporting world Abi de Villiers, I think, well, he's one of two South Africans that features in uh, my top 10 for the year, and that is purely on his one-day international exploits. Uh, Duncan, don't be alarmed. I'm going to play some background ambiance here again. And that is, of course, because what Abi did this year, well, of course, there was no World Cup success. Everyone will point to that, that Abi's great, but he's never won the World Cup, blah, 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 blah. But the dude has keeps just reinventing batting. Ooh. It's just, uh, I went to the Wanderers this year to go watch SA versus uh, West Indies. It's always a nice day at the Wanderers when they play that one day international in the pink shirt for breast cancer awareness. I didn't realize I was going to really witness history. I know the West Indies aren't very good. But what Abel Villas that day, was he did, was just incredible. And to watch, sit there, beer in hand, overlooking what this guy is capable of. It's something that I would tell people until the day I die. He scored, well, I'll get into that just in a bit. He's playing the background for some need. Anyway, Abu de Villas this year, in one day international cricket, 18 innings, 1,193 runs from 865 balls. Now, I won't expect you to work that out, but that's the strike rate of 137.91. If you've got a strike rate of 137.91 in one innings, people are high-fiving you all the way back to the hotel. If you do it over 10 games, there's something quite incredible about you. If you do it after facing 865 balls and being the mainstay of your team through 18 innings, see, this what Abby's doing. He's creating things that we can't quite comprehend. It's amazing. There's only two guys who have scored more runs than Abby this year in one-day cricket, right? And, of course, you'll think New Zealand will come into that because they've played a lot of games and they got into the final of the World Cup. Kane Williamson, he scored 1,017 runs. But he had 1,458 balls to do it in, okay? He played 25 times he straight after the crease for his country. Again, it just puts in perspective what AB's 1193 from 865 balls was. Martin Guptill, you know, he took many attack to pieces. He scored over 200 once. And uh, he scored 1,287 runs in 1,428 balls. He had 29 innings to do that. Again, these are two guys that have scored more, right, more runs than AB. But wow, way more balls. AB's average this year was 79.53. Again, that strike rate, 137.91. Highest of 162 not out. And the reason that the score of 400 is now a reality in one-day cricket, it's all got to do with AB de Villiers. Thanks, Mike. Here's just another six. Speaking of sixes, AB scored how many? 58 sixes this year. AB had 58 sixes from his 18 innings. The next closest, okay, Brendan McCullum played 22 innings. Brendan McCullum, who is prolific as a smasher of cricket balls, only 32 sixes. Ian Morgan, 23 innings, England's best chance of ever having a good batsman in ODI cricket, 30 sixes. Again, AB had 56. Going together with 91 fours. Such a proud pleaser. It's just not 91 fours to go to the 58 sixes. AB had 500, something that only Kumar Sengokaru could match, and he had 550s. See, that these aren't just stats. This is just confirming that we have got something really special in the world of sport right now. And again, it's I think we can all, if you love cricket, if you love sport, you can't help but just love AB de Villiers. Now, that innings that I'm playing in the background. Slapping that one to the fielder, though. Should be just the one. 
The news I am playing in the background, of course, is the fastest 100 ever, ever recorded, right? Now, it started with AB getting a 50 on just 16 balls. Just 16 balls. Fastest 100, it came in 31 balls. The closest to that was Corey Anderson. He's got 36. Just so, so incredible. AB, you are doing so proud every time you go to the crease. And unfortunately, you have to do it all by yourself. If there was a guy just half as good as AB, you know how good the South African team would be? If there was a guy who could just do half of what AB did throughout the year, the pressure would be off him and we'd score a hell of a lot more and win a lot more than we did. It's great to see and long may he continue. is looking to target the offside the four men in the circle there so he gives himself a bit of room Again, all the videos that I'm playing for you, all the sound clips I'm playing for you here are available on the Bounce.ca.za when I recap the year in its entirety. So you can actually watch as a Christmas bonus for yourself. You can watch AB's entire innings where he scored the fastest 100 ever. Right, but moving on to that, we've got a next sport up, and that is, of course, the World Cup Rugby. Uh, I didn't think the World Cup cricket was a massive highlight. I think, yes, Australia got to the final. They deserved to win, and New Zealand getting there uh, after back, of playing in rugby stadiums. Yeah, it was all good and well, but the Aussies are also, they just were such dicks during that tournament, and they didn't exactly cover themselves in any sort of glory or making new friends. So let's go straight to rugby then. Quite the opposite. The best in the world in every single way, shape, or form, New Zealand. The All Blacks, the mighty, mighty All Blacks. What an absolute treat it was to watch these guys. Again... Abby de Villiers and the All Blacks, they're two very sim- similar things. They just breathe excellence in every single thing they do. Now, to look at the All Blacks, sure, they won the rugby championship again. That's what they do. They've got Richie McCaw, the greatest rugby player of all time, the most successful rugby player of all time, the most successful captain of all time. They had a team that was just brimming with talent, and they went to the World Cup in England knowing that they were the only chance of, of losing was basically them themselves, just not producing their own potential. No such worries, though. They went through their pool stage with only Argentina really standing in their way. In the quarters, well, they had France, and they absolutely thrashed France. Trousers down, six of the best. Some of the tries scored in this game. I mean, it's just, again, you've got to watch the video of the compilation of how they fared in the World Cup. They were without without question the greatest team, the greatest everything in sport this year, from my opinion. And then in the semis, they had uh, South Africa. Very, very close scoreline there, but I think more flattering to the South Africans, who never really looked like scoring a try. The All Blacks always had another gear. They always had another two gears, I believe. And when they went into that final against Australia and won by the huge amount that they did, they just showed that they can bring the gears whenever they want, whether it's high-octane pressure rugby like in a final or whether it's just the opening game against a, a lesser team. Who cares? The All Blacks are great. And um, again, if you want to do anything good in rugby, you've got to learn from this blueprint. There's no other way other than to concede the fact that they are just that good. And I think they're going to be that good for quite some time now. Interesting things to consider now is that what's going to happen now that... Um, AB, oh, sorry, I'm talking about A.B. de Villiers again. Maybe you're right, Speck, or maybe I do have a man crush on him. Uh, <laughs> now that uh, Dan Carter's gone, he's, of course, retired from international rugby. He's gone to go make lots of money in France. And Richard McCaw, he's basically retired to go be a helicopter pilot. And the guy can do whatever he wants. He's Richard McCaw. Also, they've lost Mar Nonu, um, uh, Conrad Smith. They'll have a whole new center pairing. But this is the great thing about New Zealand, right? It's like they've got such a position of strength. No matter what happens from here, they will find someone that will step up. Even if Steve Hansen were to say, you know what, guys, I had a good year last year. I'm actually not too keen to coach anymore. I think someone else should take this further. They'll bring a guy in, and because of the system in place, they'll do well. It is so different to any other country in the world. Just take South Africa, for example. Every single coach goes out with some sort of controversy or some sort of drama which isn't for the betterment of the team or the nation itself. The latest has happened with Hanukkah Mayer. He was essentially pushed out, although he will say he's resigned. What's next? We're going to have a substandard coach replacing a substandard era. All Blacks play to their strengths all the time. They know exactly who's doing what, and they're only going to get bigger and stronger, which is very, very scary for all who love rugby. But good on them. Well done, All Blacks. In my opinion, greatest team, greatest thing in sport right now. Next up, we have had how many so far? We have the All Blacks and their greatness. We have A.B. de Villiers and his greatness. We've had the MMA attractions that are making us watch that sport more and more. And, of course, we've got Jordan Spieth being the world's number one after a truly incredible year. That's four down. We've got six to go. Next up, we have something that gave me a lot of joy this year. Here it is. See what you can, and Rabbi Yusuf going for Great Britain. 
men's 400 meter final. A clean start. Who will set the pace here? Merritt started very, very quickly, and Lane 8 is already up on Masra. He's gone storming through the first 100 meters. Van Nieker trying to go with him has gone past Santos, who's just left, but he will finish quickly. So Karani James and Makwala putting a gap between themselves and Rabbi Yusuf, but Merritt setting the pace. Has he gone too hard here? Van Nieker trying to chase him down. Karani James moving around that top bend, and here comes Makwala. Santos not out of it either, and Merritt already looking a little bit spent here as Van Nieker moves ahead and Merritt's going to have to be strong and here comes Karani James the two of them chasing down Van Nieker the South African in the front it's going to be goal for South Africa 43-47 a stunning performance from Van Nieker Merritt and Karani James could not catch him Wayne Finikirk, you absolute legend. Here's a guy whose name is now being mentioned in the Laureus Sports Achievers of the Year Awards. Uh, it's just an incredible, incredible talent. And uh, a real medal chance for Rio now. Like, when you look at that 400-meter finals, it wasn't like an event where a couple of guys were a bit jaded. That was a full-strength, pretty decent <laughs> decent uh, uh, field there. And Wayne Finikirk, wow, when you passed out afterwards, I was actually quite worried about him because he gave everything. But what a night to give everything here. Huh? 43-48 is official time there. And, uh, wow, it was something to be really, really proud of. We've got some good young sprinters coming through and wait for Nikok. Well, I think he might even feature in the 200. I can't confirm that just yet, but he's a guy who can run both. He's severely quick. He's just incredible to watch and a legit middle chance. We've got a little ad break. We're going to come back with another piece of athletics gold from the year, which definitely made me scream and shout. When you're in the back seat with four multicolored aliens and a talking bear, you don't ask questions. Questions like, where are we going anyway? Can I have another cookie? Mom, are we there yet? Because when you can watch Teletubbies, Winnie the Pooh, and all the best kid shows online anytime for 99 Rand a month with Showmax, a long road trip goes by a whole lot faster. So get to Showmax.com and get your seven-day free trial. Welcome back. We are halfway through recapping the sporting year of 2015. It wasn't a great year for South Africans. It wasn't a great year for South African fans. Essentially, we didn't have much to cheer about. But before the break there, we had Wade Fanikok and that 400-meter gold in the World Championships. Wow. I'm just, again, like like I said before, every single thing that I'm bringing you on here is on a blog post on the bounce.ca.za so you can relive all these moments. And they really are cool moments. I think people can be very doom and gloom about stuff right now in this country, and rightly so. But let's just celebrate that Wade for Nikok race over and over. It's just amazing. That 400 is probably the toughest race you could ever run in athletics. When you think about it, you need the stamina, you need the sprint power, and uh, just to kind of keep that lactic acid at bear, especially when you come around that final turn. Speak to any athlete about a race, and that 400, wow, it's not for the faint-hearted. So when you think athletics, you think Usain Bolt, right? Sadly, because of injury, we haven't been, we haven't seen the great man in action for quite some time. He did the double in uh, in Beijing in the 2008 Olympics. He did the double in London, of course. And I speak of the double. I speak of the 100-meter and the 200-meter sprint. Then he went a bit quiet because of injury. And then in that, in his absence, uh, convicted drug cheat, Justin Gatlin. How he's still in the sport, I have no idea. I mean, he tested positive twice, but uh, there he is. He was knocking some really, really good times throughout the year. He was dipping below that 9-7 barrier. 959, 958, if I'm not mistaken, is the record set by Bolt. Anyway, Gatlin was getting closer and closer to it. And come the world champs, many people thought that this is it. Bolt's going to be eclipsed because there's no way he can match the intensity of Gatlin, who's been running hard for months. Whereas Bolt, this was essentially his first race kind of back. Well, this is how that race went. Men's 100 meter final. Bolt gets out pretty well, so does Rogers. Gatlin's got out a little bit better though, and Bolt and Gatlin are right together here. It's Gatlin and the bottom over here comes Usain Bolt, and Bolt gets it! Oh, does he? I think he has! Usain Bolt! It's very, very tight, but I think he's done it! He's saved his title! He's saved his reputation! He may have even saved his sport! Superhero. Kind of poignant the guy actually said he may have saved his sport because let's be honest, athletics is in a bit of a 
dog hole right now because Russia as a nation, as a federation, is being banned because of drug cheats and all that kind of stuff. Here he was running against a guy who I just said convicted twice of uh, of doping. So if Bolt hadn't won here, then suddenly athletics would be in a bit of a tarnished kind of view because Bolt is the clean poster child of the whole thing. If Bolt keeps winning as a clean athlete, then athletics still has a leg to stand on. And he did. He, he just came back. 979, obviously, is not his quickest. But the fact that he was shaky in the semis, I mean, he even kind of stumbled in the semis. He really came from behind to get a late qualification for this final. And he wasn't at his best. It was very clear to see it. And uh, what? But what, this is what one of the true things of having a, a great in sport, and that everyone can appreciate and enjoy, is that Bolt is something special. Some people call him arrogant. Some people just call him annoying. But read his book. I've said it before on so many different occasions. He's the book is a couple of years old now, but it goes through his life and how difficult it is to be a sprinter. And uh, Usain Bolt, he's just the truest form of a champion, an absolute superhero in sport. And it was a really big win, him getting over Gatlin. Of course, a few days later in the 200, he did exactly the same. He blew Gatlin away in the 200. It wasn't even a contest towards the end. And uh, wow, to be excited about Rio and athletics right now is an absolute understatement. Between Wade Finico and what he does in the 400 and Bolton the 100, bring it on. Next up, we got football. If you're counting, uh, that's now six covered. One, two, three, four. Yeah. Four things left in my 2015 recap of sport. Football, I'd like to say there was some great on-the-field stuff. I can't think of any real big stories other than this one, unfortunately. I will call an extraordinary congress and put at disposal my uh, function. It is going to be held as soon as possible and a new president will be elected to follow me as the new president. I will continue to exercise my function as president of FIFA until the new elections are going to be held. They were the raids that shook FIFA in America and in Zurich. And the repercussions of the dawn raids, arrests, the allegations of bribery and corruption just don't stop. Just days ago, Sepp Blatter celebrated his re-election as FIFA president, despite the best efforts of some, including the Football Association, to remove him. I thank you. I thank you that you accepted me that for the next four years I will be in command of this boat called FIFA, and we will bring it back. We will bring it back offshore. This letter at the heart of the bride. Oh, we get into. I think you know the whole story. These guys are as dodgy as you can as you can think. And uh, well, Emperor Emperor Blatter, Uncle Sip. No one thought that he would ever resign. That he would basically go on and he would just pull a Jacob Zuma and amend things to his own liking and stay in power forever. But, you know, when you've done so much wrong and you've left such a dodgy trail, and that's the thing with Sepp, you know, you get into these sort of power circles, these power silos where you believe your own hype and you believe you're a law unto yourself, but it's all come caving in on FIFA. And that has been what's dominated football this year. There's no two ways about it. Sure, Ronaldo's been amazing as always. Messi's been great. Uh, Chelsea have burnt out. There's been lots of talking points, but nothing's been bigger than this whole FIFA fiasco. And it's only getting bigger. The FBI keeps announcing how the, the, the net is getting wider and wider. And if you want a great summation of all again, John Oliver, again, just that John Oliver video on FIFA sums it up to a T and it's absolutely time, timeless. It's absolutely timeless. And uh, who knows what's going to happen here. Of course, um, Sepp and his big mate Platini have been suspended. Okay, now Platini was going against his suspension because he wants to run for the FIFA presidency. His um, appeal was rejected, however, so he's not in the running for it. doesn't look like he's going to be the successor to, to Sepp, as everyone thought, which now makes quite an open open title race. I don't know if who, what's going to happen with FIFA from here. We'll find out in February. Uh, just going back to this, the messages. Sinazo. I'm sorry I butchered your name earlier. I've got braces. Every now and again, it doesn't work that well, the speaking thing. Yeah, you mentioned Chris Froome. Now, I will... There's no spoiler alert. Chris Froome does not mention or not feature in my top 10. Yes, like Bolt, he could be superhuman. I'd like to think he is because, again, cycling has been such a tainted sport. You don't want to see any more drug use there. Chris Froome could be amazing. He really could be. But then again, I could also be a Pegasus and I could fly out of here. I'm not entirely sure I could ever think of Chris Froome as being clean because he's a cyclist in the day. 
So I'll give him benefit of the doubt, but I will not kind of glorify cycling in this top 10. So sorry to disappoint you, but it's not going to feature. I'll tell you what does feature, though. Tennis players. And who are the best? Well, there's only two, really. Novak Djokovic, Serena Williams. Featuring in our top 10 this year. Well, they're just the greatest, aren't they? Just to give you a couple of stats, because we've got some other longer clips to play before we finish. Novak Djokovic, three out of four Grand Slams this year, right? Of course, he slipped up in the French Open. He still hasn't won the French, but I can tell you it's going to happen very, very soon. Serena Williams, she won the first three Grand Slams. Surprisingly, the fallout in the US Grand, in the US Open. They both won three out of four, right? Their dominance in the sport has been something to watch, and they are real true champions. They're pretty good people on and off the court. They, um, they're as competitive as you can get. You know, you saw them in low moments this year. But you always see them fight back. You know, like I was saying about Bolt, true champions always come back. And these guys and lady exhibit it in the purest form. Now, just to give you an idea of just how supreme Serena Williams is right now, I know a lot of uh, tennis events, the prize money is equal to the men's. It's one of the few sports that actually give them the level playing field. Now, Novak Djokovic, you just go prize money, right? He hasn't made as much prize money as Jordan Spieth has this year. No one has. <laughs> no one No one has come close, except for Novak Djokovic. Prize money alone, Novak Djokovic, right? $21,646,145. $21 over $21.5 million he's won on the court. You know who's next in all of tennis? I'll let you take a couple of seconds to guess. Can you guess who the next highest... Owner in tennis this year was on the court. Yes, it was Serena Williams. Serena Williams with over ten and a half million trumped Roger Federer, Andy Murray, Wawrinka, you name them. The second highest earner this year on the court was Serena Williams in tennis. It's just incredible how she can compete. Like she absolutely dwarfed everyone in the women's in the women's ATP, right? Um I think the nearest was Halep. I think she had over three and a bit million. Serena had over ten and a half, second only to Novak Djokovic. It's really great that these two won Wimbledon together, and of course, there's that customary dance they have at the, with the with the the party afterwards. They're two superb champions, and tennis is much richer for it. Just like I said with golf, there's some really really great uh, talent that are taking the game further, and uh, we saw it with tennis as well. Great rivalries, great champions, and I think as a sport, those two are doing it proud. Onto a sport as we get closer to the end of our climb of our top ten here. Onto a sport that is just kind of confirming, unfortunately, it doesn't re- sport doesn't really have any role models left, and nor should we be seeing role models coming out of it, right? Now, the Pacquiao versus Mayweather fight, it was billed as the biggest thing in boxing. It was the biggest something in boxing. I don't think it was a very good thing, though. Mayweather, as we all know, is coming to the end of his career. He's approaching the age of 40. Uh, I think the Pacquiao fight was his 48th fight. He then went and had a 49th fight, which is very limp and nobody cared about it. But anyway, the big 4-8, uh, this was his... His, his big sort of swan song, essentially, where he found a relatively out-of-touch Manny Pacquiao. He absolutely crammed an arena full, got so much money in the pay-per-view, but the, the fight was dreadful. It was so boring. Um, I think like you, sorry, like me, you must have woken up around 3.30 South African time. It was so boring. The only highlights, only thing worth commenting on that fight was this dickhead interviewer afterwards attacking Manny Pacquiao. Manny What's your impression of this fight? Well, it's, it's a good fight. I thought I won the fight. You thought you won the fight? Why? He didn't do nothing. He always, um, you know, uh, uh, move outside. Well, but he had to be hitting you with something because you weren't attacking him with the same kind of ferocity that we sometimes see you attack. Was he not doing something to keep you off? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I got him many times. I sold the punches, and I think I, I believe, I, I thought I won the fight. We didn't ringside. The judges didn't. Um, from the, right from the outset in the first round, he seemed to be able to get you to fight at his pace. You usually throw a lot of punches. You're, you didn't throw as many punches uh, right from the beginning. Why? No, he's, um, he's um, uh, moving around. He's moving around. It's, it's not easy to throw a lot of punches if he's, if he's moving around. But if he stay, then I can throw a lot of punches. But you knew that coming in. So didn't you have to do something to get him to stay? Yeah, I'm just cutting in and uh, counter. I, I, you know, 
But uh, that's that's fight. That's fight. He seemed to catch you with some good right hands early in the fight. Did you feel his power? Yeah, I can I, I can handle his power. It's not uh, uh, strong like uh, Margarito or other opponent Koto like that. So you're saying you thought you were up in the fight, and that's why maybe you didn't attack him, you didn't step up the pace even more in the 11th and 12th rounds. Yes. But, um... Manny, because ringside, I, I, I thought I had him winning pretty wide. Um, it seemed to me th that his size was giving you some trouble. He's a, a bigger fighter than you. Did you, did you, was he able to use his size against you? No, she's not, she's not bigger than me. It's, um, it's not about the size. The size doesn't matter. I've been fighting bigger than him and uh, nothing problem. Manny, what's next for you? Well, um, kind of one of the most awkward interviews in all the sport for the year, Eric, but it summed up the fight. The fight was crap. This guy came in and he was just trying to kind of make Manny look silly. Manny, of course, doesn't speak English as his first language, so he couldn't quite eloquently put what he felt from the fight. But it summed up the whole thing. It was a whole lot of hype. It was a whole lot of nothing. And Manny Pacquiao, well, then he was like, oh, I had a broken hand or whatever. There was some sort of ailment, and then he was on pain medication. And then there was oh, just... Mayweather being his own, you know, classless self, it was crap, and it was just showing you where boxing is. But then later in the years, and a couple of weeks ago, Tyson Fury came on the scene in a really, really big way by winning the World Championships. Now, World Title or whatever the division is, uh, sorry, I didn't trouble myself with these details. So he he took on Klitschko, right, the Vladimir Klitschko, and I mean Klitschko has been undefeated for years and years and years, like nine years, something stupid like that. Tyson Fury beat him. Klitschko was like he was amazed how someone that big could be so fast. This is CliffCentral.com. British boxer Tyson Fury compared homosexuals to pedophiles in an interview with the Mail on Sunday, and he surprised many in the sport and won the championship crown. So he went on the BBC Awards shortlist, but an online petition was started calling on him to be removed. It's been signed by 70,000 people now. They're calling Tyson homophobic and say his comments are about had influence on young people in sport. He responded that the petition was signed by, I quote, 50,000 wankers. At the weekend, Tyson added fuel to the fire in an online interview by saying this. I stand up for me beliefs. My wife's there. Her, her job's cooking and cleaning, looking after these kids. That's it. No other. But she does get to make some decisions. What she's going to cook me for tea in a bit when I get home. As his wife's job is cooking and cleaning. Do you think he should be removed as a contender for the Sports Personality of the Year award because of these comments? We actually, funny enough, Tyson heard that we were doing this item and he got in touch and he's on the line. Tyson Fury, welcome. Good afternoon, BBC Radio 2 listeners. Good afternoon. And firstly, the key thing, many congratulations on becoming the undisputed champion of the world. That's very important. Thank you very much. So, what sort of message do you think would it send out if you won Sports Personality of the Year? Um, listen, I, I believe I should be winning Sports Personality of the Year because if it's about sporting achievements and it's about personality, then I'm a winner hands down. But if we're going to go on people's opinions and views, then I have split opinions and views. So if, if that's going to amper my performance on winning or losing, then it's clearly not a, not a fair contest, is it? I know that you've, you've said that it's, it's not, it doesn't require any personality to, to drive a car around a track a hundred times or hit a tennis ball. Yes, that's correct. Yes. But it does to win the World Boxing Championship. Well, most definitely. I would say, and a lot of people will agree with me on this, that I'm the biggest sports personality in this country. There's not nobody who's got a bigger personality than me. But clearly, if it's about personalities, then I should win this hands down. If it's about sporting achievements, then I should win it hands down because there's been no other heavyweight in a long, long, long time. Or, or boxer from England who's been to a, a super champion's backyard, the reigning heavyweight champion of the world for 11 years, who's going down the history as one of the greatest heavyweight fighters of all time, in people's opinions... And I've been to Germany in his own back garden, dethroned him, and I'm representing Great Britain and Ireland. There's never, ever been that before. So that's an achievement that will never, ever be done again. 
No questioning the achievement there, but but yeah. See, you can't question his achievements, as the interviewer rightly says. But as you can see, I mean, this interview goes on for quite a quite a while. Uh, It's worth listening to. Um, It just attacks who he is as a person. But it does it brings up this question for me, and I think it's something that's been quite a thread throughout the whole sporting year. Hence, me sharing it with you now is that sports stars. We learned that lesson in the hardware from Oscar Pistorius onwards. They're not role models, okay? If if they're nice, like I said, and there's some really cool people in this top 10, like Serena Williams, Nova Djokovic, Jordan Spieth, uh, Wade from Nico. There's some really, Abe de Villiers, of course. There's some really incredible sports stars out there, but we must not look towards these people as role models. It's never a good thing. It's even worse when they get these jumped-up platforms like Tyson Fury's got. The guys are bigot. The guys are homophobe. These aren't things that we need in, in this world, and we sure as hell don't need people to be interviewing them on these sources. The guy boxes, great. If he beats a guy up, great. If he doesn't, then he just loses. That's it. We move on. Tyson Fury, as a sporting personality, again, when we start glorifying sports stars with personality awards, I, I don't know. I've got a bit of a problem with all this stuff. And uh, you, you've got to listen to this whole interview. This guy is so cooked in the head. He really is. And, um, you know, he's a proper jipper. He's he's a traveler. So he's always known life to be like, where well, it's very close-knit. He's, his whole family sort of um, manages him and, and runs his life. And he's got very opinionated views on things, which is all cool and well. If, if you're a boxer, you know, you can smack talk each other as part of the course. But when you start getting into moral issues and sexuality preferences and stuff, dude, just <laughs> no. Just no. Anyway, running out of time, for me, probably one of the highest moment or highest, well, emotional moments from the year, of course, was the ups and downs of the Springboks. And I say probably more downs. Uh, but there was one down that I don't think any of us could possibly, possibly have any problem with. And it's this. Japan versus the Springboks in the Rugby World Cup. Forget that one, hey? Japan 34, SA 32. It was, again, it was just one of the highlights for Hannah Command to go. I don't think the guy was ever going to do great things with his team post this. It was a strange way to start a World Cup for South Africa, who did eventually finish third, or give him that much credit. But this game was so much more than the result. It was just, you know, just watching these visuals now, I'm getting all choked up. For these guys, this is like the pinnacle of their lives, and it's so great to see. If, if South Africa had won that one by, by two points, everyone would have said, crack get, crap game of rugby. Boxer, massive disappointment, uh, blah, blah, blah. But Japanese winning that one again, it's the scenes, just to relive them now over in December. And this happened a few months ago. Wow, it was quite something. And uh, with the next World Cup being in Japan, of course, it's a really big incentive for the guys to build on that and go forward. So those, for me, are the top 10 highlights for the sporting year. Just before I go, though, a couple of other talking points I do want to leave you with. One of them being golf. The end of Tiger Woods, another another back injury. Uh, he doesn't know where the recovery session is leading him. He just has to wait and see. But, uh, I mean, there's a guy who's gone through so much in the game. And another back injury, where he is right now in his career, we could see the end of Tiger Woods in, in, in any shape or form. Um, I believe he wouldn't have, won a, wouldn't have won a major for the last four or five years. It hasn't happened, so I've been writing that one. But he might not be in tournament play like we have expected this year. South African rugby woes, that's obviously the big talking point for us this year, the end of the Heineken May era. In cricket, we had the South African quotas. Uh, we saw it in the Ram Slam final. We saw it in the semi-final of the Cricket World Cup. 
That's reality, unfortunately. We have to live with that and uh, to see how we go forward with that. That's the true test now. And if the talent coming up and being placed in these teams because of the structure set in place will then events will eventually uh, lead to something. We can only be positive with that. Jose Mourinho and the Chelsea decline. That was one big thing from from the football fields. Motorsports, uh, Mercedes and the big snore fest they do create. Yes, they're dominant. And yes, it's great to see Lewis Hamilton doing so well as a sports star. But when it's Mercedes 1-2 every single weekend, people are losing more and more interest in F1. And that's not just me saying it. People are really kind of bored with it. Bernie Eccleston said that they are killing the sport. Kind of like back when um, Schumacher was just dominating for Ferrari. The sport needs something. Um, it's one thing people dominating. Everyone likes a winner. But when nothing else happens but that, it's not a good thing. And then finally, last talking point from the year, Russia's ban. Uh, this just means that Lakes is in a real bad spot right now. A lot has to happen. Uh, Dick Pound basically found a wanting on ethics and falling foul drug testing. So they might not be in the Olympics. Uh, something that has to be done there from IAAF right through to Russia. There needs to be a clean sweep here and they need to rectify that because Russia is a big part of the world. And of course, if they're not going to be in the Olympics, the Olympics is poor off. If you have any other things you want to add to this, anything you think I missed out on, tweet me at follow the bounce. Uh, always cool, always keen to discuss sport. Potentially, that is my last sporting show for the year. All the podcasts of my previous um, stuff have been on cliffcentral.com. And something else to look forward to is the T20 World Cup coming next year in March and April. And I will be providing alternative commentary there with my trusted team of enthusiasts. That's it for the sporting year. I'm going to play out in the only way I really can. And that is with Manny Pacquiao singing, Nothing's going to change my love for you. That's kind of how I feel. It's kind of how I always feel about sport. It's been a crap one for SA fans this year, but that is how I feel. I love it, and I will be part of it. And I look forward to talking about it with you next year as well. If I have to leave my life without you near me, the days will all be ended. The nights will turn so long. With you I see forever, oh so clearly I might have been in love before But it never felt this wrong Our dreams are young and we both know They'll take us where we want to go Hold me now, touch me now I don't want to leave without you this is cliffcentral.com Keeping it real On cliffcentral.com This is cliffcentral.com